What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a new year, and I have a new podcast here at The Ringer, Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi. Austin and I go way back and talk so much hoop already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on all of these conversations. Every week, Pasha and I will hit on the biggest stories happening in the league and get Austin's perspective of someone currently hooping in the NBA. Tap into Off Guard every Friday on The Ringer NBA show feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to Group Chat. I am Justin Verrier and joining me, sitting in front of me, the most beautiful podcast duo in history, Rob Mahoney, Big Waz. What's up, guys? People are saying that about us, Waz. Yes, but I disagree. It's a trio of beautiful Ooh. men. So shouts to Justin Verrier and his handsome self <laughs> well, being in you. the building. Thank you. That's Only non-toxic masculinity around here. We're a very supportive bunch. <laughs> Of course. So this is the first ever group chat live, or I guess live to tape, (laughs) for no one except for Isaiah and Eduardo and whoever is plugged into this camera that is recording us up on this big screen. Uh, This is weird. That's a little weird. But no, would anyone ever know if we didn't tell them? I like to think that our banter is in person on point all the time. But maybe that's not the case. Well, let us know, I guess. Let us know if this feels appreciably different. Let us know in the comments. Yeah. Um, no, it's weird. I don't have to like prompt you guys to talk. Usually I'll have to be like, Waz, <laughs> what do you think about this? Yeah, we can just uh, read each other's facial expressions and body language, which I think we're all pretty good at. You know? Yeah. Well, on today's episode, <laughs> as I stare at Rob, this is so weird. Um, hey, so we are now what? About a week after the deadline? Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I didn't have to even like set you up there. You're just jumping on in. <laughs> I literally just said, yeah. Yes. Oh, I just agreed with this you. This is great. Uh, we have seven, count them, seven questions after the trade deadline, talking about buyout guys, talking about other ripple effects. Uh, but first and foremost, the Phoenix Suns. They're, uh, they're a little, looking a little bit different these days, although Kevin Durant hasn't played there. Let's start with this first question, Waz. Uh, are the Suns the best team in the West? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of caveats involved. If everybody's healthy, uh, I believe they have the most talented team, um, especially, obviously, at the top end after having traded their entire wing depth um, and then the kitchen sink to get KD into their building. So, yeah, I believe that. And also, you know, I like that this is a deadline deal because when people talk about depth and lack of a bench and all of that stuff, that stuff carries you through the regular season, which is 82 games, folks. After the trade deadline, you got about 30 games and then you're gone, right? So the depth becomes less important for a really top-heavy team as the games decrease, obviously. And I think in a series where you have, you know, a day or two in between every single game for rest and they could play their four guys basically 40 minutes a game, um, yeah, you got to believe that they're the best team in the West right now. I think the thing about the depth part of it is you're right. 
it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Like who your 11th guy is does not matter. My issue with the Suns, and I think what gives me some pause in calling them the best team in the West is, let's say they start Paul and Booker. Let's say Torrey Craig is probably the other starter and Durant and Aiden. Who else in that team do you trust? Period. I think maybe Damian Lee is the closest thing to an answer. And that's a guy that the Warriors actively did not trust. And granted, he's had a really good season. He's proven himself in a different capacity. But when I think about Denver, I see a team that like, I trust Bruce Brown. You know, they have a rock solid starting five and they have Bruce Brown and now they have Thomas Bryant and they're and they're getting Reggie Jackson in the door. Well, let me ask you this. Do you trust the Suns depth more than the Nuggets? Because even though the Nuggets have been steamrolling throughout this regular season, I don't know if their bench is that much better. I think it's better, but I don't know how much. better. But I think it's getting better, right? Like you're it's on on the prospect that Thomas Bryant and Reggie Jackson are meaningful additions. And I think I think they are in in the context of this conversation. Hmm. Yeah. And the the stuff that Thomas Bryant and Reggie Jackson do, because I was watching the game the other day and it was like KCP and Ish Smith and Thomas Bryant and Jeff Green and all on one lineup. And I'm like. This is not a line of deck to score. <laughs> you know, um, this is this is not going to be able to do it. But, like, as the game went on, they they were sort of figuring out ways, even saying, oh, why don't we play through Thomas Bryant? Why, we, why don't we do a couple of other things? And if it's Reggie Jackson instead of Ish Smith, he's overqualified for that position. I just think in the playoffs where, you know, teams are going to beg KD and Devin Booker to just straight up beat them one-on-one, uh, they're going to be well-equipped to do so. They're going to have enough spacing. Chris Paul's going to do enough as far as table setting is concerned. Uh, I think Aiton is actually going to have to do... He's, like, actually going to have to do things. Critical. Yeah, like, on offense, too. And so, you know, and I think that would make will make him a more engaged defender. Uh, so, yeah, I think... T- on the top end, I think they're the most talented, but I, obviously I'm I'm the person who picked Denver to make it to the finals this year, uh, drink at home. Um, I think Denver is obviously a more complete team, of course, but being the most complete doesn't always mean that you're going to be the better team throughout the course of a playoff series. I have, I have two concerns here. Yeah. One is obviously health. Kevin Durant has not suited up yet. He hasn't played for what about a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, That's a Chris legitimate concern. <laughs> Chris Paul uh, seems like he's back. He had seventeen and nineteen last night against the Kings. Seems like he's rounding back into form. Devin Booker is now back, but even like T.J. Warren, the other guy they got from the Nets, hasn't been a paragon of health for the past three years. Let yeah. alone uh, even the seasons. He's, I he's mean, kind he of been was in supposed to. So the T.J. Warren thing is important. He was supposed to start training camp. That's what he was... I actually saw him in the summer and I asked him, I was like, are you going to be ready for camp? He's like, hell yeah. I'm ready. I'm good to go. He didn't play till like January, dude. Three months. Just for the people counting at home. He's looked fine. Like, he's been okay. If he can be the the Warren of old, I think, like, that would be a nice piece For sure, but it's just to speak to his health. Right? Like, this is a guy... they, They took it easy in Brooklyn. They were really cautious about bringing him back, but... You know, he's a guy, Chris Paul, and I think the the most, the thing that worries me is the Chris Paul part of it. Mm. Because I think, to be honest, I believe DeAndre Ayton is not better than Claxton. I really don't. I believe Devin Booker and Kyrie Irving are essentially of equal ability, especially in a playoff setting. Um, and that's the Brooklyn team last year, right? <laughs> I think Chris Paul, if he's the guy that we saw last night against Sacramento, he makes them infinitely better. If he's the guy we saw the last three, four games against the Dallas Mavericks last year, this team is eminently beatable. Mm-hmm. They're, they're going to be really good. It's just a matter of how these things intersect, right? Like, if, they, if they're even missing one of those guys, it's a wrap. their depth chart completely changes in a way <laughs> that is very concerning. And not only the guys we've talked about, but, you know, like they lost Dario Saric, who's been an important piece for them. They're like, they're bleeding players in a way that we'll see if Darius Baisley, who they got at the deadline, can be, do anything Baze. for them. Right. We'll find out. I I would be very nervous, obviously, if Kevin Durant isn't Kevin Durant. That's kind of a, a huge problem for them, given the construction of this team now. But even then, if Devin Booker's groin injury nags at him, if Chris yeah. Paul looks his age, it's going to hurt. They, well, they just don't have the ability to compensate for those things. And that speaks to my second point, which is there really is no history of a move like this. Well, for one, being made at the deadline. Uh, deals like this typically don't get made, although typically uh, uh, in recent years, we've seen more of them. James Harden the first time, James Harden 
the second time and on and on. Uh, but there really isn't a track record of someone completely changing their team on the fly and succeeding in the playoffs. And I think part of that is because you tend to strip your depth. And so you have to really make do with what you have. And you don't have a full off season to add other guys. It reminds me of the big three heat where they finally got Shane Battier in. That yeah. was the one guy they needed to you get really enough mid-level out. exceptions to exactly. like round out. Yeah. your roster. And guys internally got better. Like Chalmers got better. Yep. Um, he became an important closing piece for them. And, and not only just like the Battier types or, or even Birdman at certain points for the heat, um, there's a, just a continuity thing that happens when people play with each other more, where Bron and D Wade get smarter about playing each other, playing with each other, Bron and Chalmers playing off of each other. So Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and uh Kevin Durant learning how to play off of one another will be important. But I think this year is gonna be a lot of one-on-one shit. Yeah. Should we flip to the other side of the trade? Uh so the next question I have up here: who is the best team in New York City? This is easy for me. This is easy. The the team that's not paying Ben Simmons $40 million a year to be a cactus is the better team in New York City. Um, I, I think, look, I, I like what the Nets did in the sense that wing depth is the most valuable commodity in the NBA, specifically to teams who are trying to accomplish things. Wing depth doesn't mean anything to the Houston Rockets, right? Wing depth doesn't mean anything to the Charlotte Hornets, but man, would the Lakers like to have some wing depth today? Absolutely. To um, that point, the Grizzlies reportedly offered four firsts just for Mikhail Bridges. So there you go. The, the Grizzlies would like to have some wing depth today. Like the teams that are trying to accomplish stuff, um, it's there's nothing more valuable, right? And so I like the idea that they, you know, they have these assets that people will want. People are going to talk themselves into future first for Dorian Finney-Smith. Obviously, Mikael Bridges is literally one of the best value contracts in the league, and I'm going to steal a, a, a take from one of my close friends. This is why you don't take a team-friendly deal when they could trade your ass, okay? <laughs> it's like, oh, I, I love being in Phoenix. I'm going to take a cheaper deal. They traded you. Anyway, rant over. Um, no, you want to be cost prohibitive in the NBA. Like, if you like where you are, get the biggest deal you can. And if you don't like where you are, like if you're Eric Gordon, for example, stop signing extensions <laughs> at huge numbers. I Like the money is good, but if you want to move on, you just can't do it. Yeah. Uh, even Cam Johnson, who I think, you know, his three and D-ness is a little overstated at times. These are guys that are going to be very easy to move if and when the time comes for it. Although Cam Johnson has to get paid first, yeah. which is tough. But these are guys, Finney Smith, Mikael Bridges, incredible deals they're on. And, you know, Cam Johnson, they get him to, you know, at least close to market value. These these are pieces that can move. I just don't think the team sort of makes sense as a whole. But I like what they got. I think the Knicks are a more normal team. You know what I mean? Like, Grimes is, is the two. Let's RJ at the three. Yeah. Like, you know, like, it makes sense. You know, it took me quite a journey to get here. But the Knicks are good. Like, yeah. they're a good team. Yep. And certainly, like, Brunsanity or whatever is happening right now doesn't hurt. <laughs> Looks like one of the best guards in the league. But really, yeah. over the last two, two and a half months, they've been on such an offensive climb, really into being one of the best offensive teams in the league over the course of the season as a whole because of their play in those last two and a half months. They've completely changed their profile as a team. They're much more credible within the East as a result. They're certainly better than where the Nets are right now. Yeah. Although I agree with you, as a way station, the Nets have lots of attractive players and they're going to do fine in, in the grand scheme of things. But you know, it's, it's perfectly fine to say that the Knicks are definitive, definitively better than the Nets. And also, if we broaden out, the comparisons are not so favorable relative to the other top teams in the East still. Like, the yeah. Knicks are still in a yeah, different class the from the Celtics and the Sixers <laughs> and the Bucks and those teams. Yeah, they went the complete opposite way of the Nets where they got Josh Hart, who is D and will occasionally take a three and if you force him to. Although, yeah, he's now six for nine from three, and the other night he had like 20-something points. Uh, yeah, the Knicks are better now. I think that's clear-cut. The Nets, as you guys alluded to, are basically breeders for three and D players. Like, I think they are only going to... Like, like a puppy mill? Yeah, What's exactly. Happening? They are only going to shoot threes and play D, and no other basketball will be played in between <laughs> that. And so, for I think they've set themselves up well. They are kind of a modern version of what they were before Katie and Kyrie, where it's like they 
they have set themselves up for a star. When will they get that star? Who knows? But in the meantime, they could trade these guys. They could they could be fine and have the vibes and be fun until then. Uh, I think the question, though, is in the future. Like, does that approach bear more fruit, let's say, five years from now than the Knicks, who are good, but as we're saying, aren't great? Well, there's also a cost to what the Nets are doing right now, which is not just that they're going to be a worse team this season for not having Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, obviously. If you make this like 3 and D Nirvana situation, (laughs) what you are doing is actively making Ben Simmons worse. And making mm-hmm. driving his trade value even lower into the ground. And I'm not saying you should orient your franchise right. around what Ben, ben Simmons, Simmons has no trade value. No, no, no. no. All, all, I'm, all I'm saying <laughs> he's the is, worst contract in the NBA. Like, and it's not even close but now. That's, Brad, Bradley Beal would would like a word. No, ah, no, 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 no. No, Bradley Beal on a team that has championship aspirations could slot in and fit a defined role tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Ben Simmons doesn't fit on any team. Yeah. Brad Beal is like the number three behind Kuzma and Porzingis, man. I don't know. Wow. He's, he's just, no. Beal's making more for longer is the problem. He's a better sure. basketball player, sure. but I think the contract is worse. Ben Simmons, is, he's going to make like $35 million next season, and he, and he won't season take a layup. And the season after that, he can't play basketball. And then it's an expiring contract. We saw what happened to, to Russ, man. If Russ can get traded, Ben Simmons can Russ, be traded. Russ is a viable NBA player. Ben yeah. Simmons right now is not. not. And that's all I'm saying is if you're going to, like, if you have two of the best shooters in the world in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons is almost playable. <laughs> if you do not, he's what we see right now, which is like he's he's trying to like pass off of layups to Nick he's, Claxton. He's rough. Killing possessions. He's yeah, he played 13 minutes against the Knicks and Jacques Vaughn basically alluded to oh. the fact that he's going to have a tough time trying yeah. to work him into rotations now. It's, it's a freaking quagmire is what it is. And I get like, you don't want to move your franchise to accommodate that, but the direction they are right now Ben Simmons is not going to be any more tradable than he was a week ago. Thank God he wears cool shades on the bench. <laughs> it's sad, man. I, I I can't even bring myself to to knock on Ben. It's just become a very very tough, very depressing situation. But no, to the earlier question was, do you think long term the Nets are? In I, think, shape I think I think long term the Knicks are fine because they have their Mikhail Bridges centerpiece in a type of deal, right? Like, you can make RJ the centerpiece of a deal um, and, you know, send ship away your draft future for somebody who's legitimately great. Who that is, I don't know. Like, I don't think the Knicks are good enough to do this for a Rudy Gobert type, right? Like, that don't make no sense for you guys. Uh, But somebody who is in their 20s and is a perennial all-star, they can make a deal for that type of person. Ben Simmons? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> now you're just being mean I know I said I wouldn't do it but I did it <laughs> let's, let's put it on the clock they that was like within that 90 of seconds of you saying you wouldn't, didn't want to be mean to Ben Simmons uh, I, I also think that the Nets have an interesting little position here almost like shorting the Suns future because while I think the Suns trade for Kevin Durant is a home run in the immediate long term I do have some concerns there just because you're banking on 34 year old perpetually injured Kevin Durant Chris Paul's, what, 37? And then we don't know what Devin Booker and DeAndre want long-term. Maybe you could flip them into your future, but uh, I think long-term, I think that's a that's a pretty dicey, dicey preposition, and thus the Nets having those future picks could ultimately bear fruit in the way that having the Knicks having their own picks maybe won't. Also, the thing about having uh, even having Devin Booker, having... DeAndre Ayton, uh, which is also why I liked what the Cavs did when they brought in uh, Donovan Mitchell. They could trade them for picks, too. We could just do this pick thing Mm -hmm. forever when you already have the guys in-house. And so that's why I I don't mind it long-term at all when people are like, uh, hey, man, they gave up their their future drafts forever. Um, I saw the other day uh, Ben Taylor thinking basketball. He was like, yo, man, I did the math on these picks and they ended up being in, like, the 17s. Is the average pick you get when you do this. And, like, 17 pick for KD? (laughs) Seems like a no-brainer, right? And so, like, I I think all of these teams are well-positioned in this new NBA where, like, a team that's sinking to the bottom will just take on your future drafts to give you extremely high-quality players, then they're fine. 
Yeah, I want to make that part of it extremely clear. We have wrung our hands about the Suns' depth. We're talking about how the Nets acclimated themselves pretty well. If you're Phoenix, you do this trade 100 oh times God. out of 100. It's not even close. You do not hesitate. I, I, I'm not... I might fretting. hesitate a I'm little. not fretting over a, a future first or a pick swap. I'm just not for Kevin Durant. I mean, yes, on average, the future picks don't actually become what people think they are. That's just something that you could sell your fans, especially pick swaps, which are basically just like phony money. Um, <laughs> the problem I have is that this is being sold as Matt Sheba riding in on his white horse, saving the day. No, and I read that story that. more as like, maybe he overpaid more than he should have in order to win the day when he first jumped in there. And so I, I, th- I think there's like just a pretty realistic timeline where the future is really bad. But for the now, I think it makes total sense. And if we were to look at the Suns going into the trade deadline, we would have said like maybe they could upgrade certain moves and they could make it to the West Finals. We wouldn't have picked them at all to get past that threshold. Now they have a legitimate chance of salvaging this era of the Suns and being his final team, which I don't think we could have said before. I think this is what Waz is saying about like, you can always just do this again for trade your guys for more picks. It just feels like Like, it. If you like what the Nets did right now, the Suns could do the same thing in three years. Yeah. You know, like they could be in exactly the same place. And yes, their own future is leveraged much in the way that the Nets is. But you can flip very take, good players. Go take a flyer picks. on, you know, some <laughs> the Lakers and Knicks will always exist. <laughs> and you can take flyers on their existing drafts going beyond that. And, you know, to your point about the new owner and, and riding in on his white horse, if you're a Suns fan and the guy before him is playing grab-assery with the women in his organization, dropping N-bombs, generally one of the cheapest dudes in the freaking league, remember when the Suns would just sell first-round picks just for the, the fun of it, right? Yeah. Like, Rajon when they Rondo. were hyper-competitive, too. Yeah. Um, and, and you get this guy to come in and he's already all-in on your team, I, I think you should be happy about that. A lot of media for a guy, Matashiba. I'll just say that. <laughs> I think it's look, Ishbia. Ishbia? All right. Well. Ishbia. Yeah, look, J- J- Justin, you know how I am when the media gets universally behind some certain <laughs> type of narrative. I'm just like, mm, skeptical. But, uh, but, I, uh, but this feels definitely more right than what the, the Wolves did by going out, grabbing a new GM with the ownership group that technically wasn't even owning the team anymore. I'm like, hmm. And then it's for Rudy Gobert. Uh, this, this in comparison, just seems way more right. uh, smarter. <laughs> they got Kevin Durant. They didn't get Rudy Yeah. Durant. All right. Speaking of teams that are leveraged, uh, let's go to our next question. Number three, which team will be more miserable to follow over the second half of the season? It's not even the second half. It's like no, a third. 20-ish right? games, 25 yeah, games. Post-All-Star break. The Lakers with LeBron on extended PTO or the Stephless Warriors leaking more gossip than Chris Jenner. Can you um <laughs> can you allude to what gossip you're referring to with the Warriors cuz I am not in the gossip mill. Well, for one, all of Wait, the... you're not in the gossip mill? <laughs> yeah, no, not with the Warriors, question. like the Bob Myers oh, okay, stuff. Okay. The, the Bob Myers specific. stuff and then all of the Gary Payton the second we leaked everything before the Trailblazers had actually heard of a grievance. Okay, I, okay. Here's the thing, because I got some intel on the Gary Payton the second stuff. Was bomb? This is not a was bomb, but <laughs> like I have, I have a pretty good handle on it. Joe Lacob, Wiseman is his baby, right? However, the important guys on the team, the freaking GM, the coach, uh, Draymond, Steph, Clay, they want to get good players in there, and there's that tension of just like. This guy can't help us. We want to win right now. But Lacob really being into the Wiseman thing. And so they go out, they get Gary Payton the second, right? Um, and they bring him in. This whole, their doctor does a physical on the guy. And yes, he has a lot of scar tissue from an injury that he sustained last year on Golden State that they already knew about. This idea that they're doing this hand wringing, it's really just... A doctor in-house that's just like, look, like, you know, this was another guy, blah, 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 blah. And Lacob being really mad about parting ways with Wiseman in the first place. Nothing untoward happened. You even see uh, Josh Hart, other players coming out and be like, no, we watched the staff be really careful bringing this guy back along. Like, nothing untowards happened, which is why you just see them say, obviously, we're going to go through with the trade and all of that stuff. But it's just Lacob. 
really liking Wiseman, really on his light years. We're planning for the future while dominating thing. And, you know, that the stuff in the media is just a manifestation of that. But again, they have no leg to stand on. This guy was on this injury in your building with your doctors last year, right? And so that is just what it is. And then Bob Myers, that... I don't understand. What, I don't have any answers for what's happening with Bob Myers. Well, I think you just answered it, right? It's if you have an owner who is that kind of invested to the point that it's hard to trade James Wiseman, a player who to date has not been a very He's effective basketball player by yeah. any measure. If you feel pinched in that situation, I could understand why you might want to look at something else, even if it's being a podcast host. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, another reason why they probably went through with the trade is their defense is awful. Yep. I don't know if you guys watched the game last night against the Clippers, and even if yeah, they couldn't stop a cold, yeah, if Gary Payton has like no core, like if he he is just like the top of his body fused to <laughs> the bottom of his body, he will be a better perimeter de- defender than what they have going on right now, and that's partly why I bring up this question: the Warriors without Steph have been dreadful. Are they worse than the the Lakers with LeBron, who as soon as he broke the record was like, peace, I'm just going to go on extended vacation? I don't know. That's the question. I don't know that being injured is extended vacation. Is he injured? I, I'm not I'm not in a position to doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> they have a lot. The, to, the timing a, was curious. Right have, after the deadline, right after like the Calvary comes, and he got Russ a couple years ago specifically to play the minutes so he didn't have to go a full season and be full-time LeBron. But they have a lot to play for. If, if, if he's going to sit out extended time without reason, they are not going to make the plan. They're just not. Do you think that's why Anthony Davis has been grumpy for now, what, five days? I don't know if you guys have checked in there, but it was after the OKC game and after the Portland game, he looked despondent. I I, I've say. seen a lot of this everywhere. Uh, Bill talked about it. Um, I've seen it in other places where people are talking about the AD thing and him allegedly not being happy that LeBron broke the scoring record. I heard he told Lakers media off the record something different, mm. having to do with the guy that, um, you know, <laughs> the guy that Dave McMenamin went on TV and people in the Lakers organization called a vampire. That guy, a bloodsucker. Yeah. Uh, Russell Westbrook. Yeah, referring to. that dude. Um, it feels we're like we're talking about Wenyan Gabriel. It feels like he was <laughs> more werewolf. upset yeah. about one the Russ thing that game because, by all accounts, Russ was being a very petulant child during that LeBron record-breaking game, and it feels like he was more upset about that. And also, he's coming back from an injury that took him out for two months. Uh, the fact that he's not great yet is not... He wasn't playing before this because he was hurt. So I'm not surprised by uh, by Anthony Davis not being great right now when he just came back from a really extended injury. I'll say that about AD. As far as LeBron and what he's doing, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what LeBron... I don't know what this sabbatical is, although I think there's a way to read it where the guy's old. He exerted himself at like a playoff level to get that scoring championship that specific night. And I think he needs the time off because he's old and can't just exert himself at that level every single night. Um, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see what he does when he does come back and how enthusiastic he is about playing with guys like D'Lo and the rest of the crew. Yeah, we'll have to see what that version of the Lakers looks like. To answer the question, though, the Lakers are fundamentally more depressing than the Warriors yeah, are, even without easily. Steph. And I think the the performance from the Warriors' defense against the Clippers was a little misleading because when Draymond and Wiggins have been on the floor, the defense has been pretty good. Mm-hmm. Can they be on the floor? Is Wiggins going to be wound up in the way he was all playoffs long last year when it matters? We'll see. How healthy will Steph be? That's and obviously like a huge question. grabbing rebounds like he's Dennis Rodman. I like. mean... Uh, is the Wiggins revival tour... That's over, right? <laughs> We're done with that? No, he's... I think he's, he's been, been hurt all year, He's Justin. been more what or less you, the what? same player when he's out there. You know, maybe not quite as energetic. What, what's your issue with the Wiggins Well, it seems in the playoffs, tour. everyone was ready to anoint him as the playoff MVP. <laughs> they want the championship. I know, he was good in the playoffs. Because he was great. Yeah, he was good in the playoffs, but that, now he's, like, he's falling back into being like the fourth most 
important player on the team. I just like, I get so upset about the Warriors who need Hall of Famers at mm. seven or eight positions in order to feel like they are whole. It's like, <laughs> yeah, the team is good enough to compete right now. Wiggins is making the max. Like, can you yeah. score 30 points a game? Like, like or not, not a game. Can you score 30 <laughs> points like once or twice? Yeah, yeah, no, no, 100%. <laughs> I, I think they, they, they're absolutely underachieving. I think a lot of it is flip switching kind of stuff. Uh, and and that's concerning, but I, I think I just have a, a confidence that they can play a, a version of basketball at a level that I, I can't see the Lakers. Come on, man. They are more what pe <laughs> how people talk about the Lakers. Like, oh, that's like, Justin, I know you've said this before. The team that you wouldn't want to see in a seven-game series, yeah. no matter the circumstances. I, to I'd me, like the to Warriors see. are that team. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't want any part 100%. of Steph Curry in a playoff series if he's if he's even remotely healthy and out there. I'll say this. The other night, D'Angelo Russell was like, yeah, it's going to take time to build something. And it was the most reasonable comment I've heard out of a Laker in a long time. And then I realized D'Angelo Russell was the one who was voice saying that. Reason. Was the voice of reason. And I'm like, this is, this is probably rock bottom for this franchise. So we'll see. Number four, who's on the margin moves will matter the most. I, I would say outside of the top-line trades, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, we got a lot of fringe moves. I wrote a couple down here just to, just to go over them. Jay Crowder to the Bucks, Mike Mascala to the Celtics, the Clippers trading for like four different players so that they're now 15-player deep. Uh, Thomas Bryant to the Nuggets, as we talked about earlier. Uh, Jalen McDaniels on the Sixers, Gary Payton the second eventually for the Warriors. Anyone else or someone from that group, Rob, that stands out to you? Even though we haven't seen him play, I think it's Jay Crowder for the Bucks. Mm. They were just so in such desperate need of a guy who they could trust in big moments. And we'll see if his shot holds up. But defensively, you can trust him in a way that the Bucks just do not trust Grayson Allen, for example. So I think that's a meaningful change in an East that's for as good as the Celtics have been pretty open. And the Bucks have been surging a lot lately. They've been playing great. I, I like that for them a lot. And if we're talking about like which marginal move is actually going to move the needle in the championship race. Jay is the guy. Yeah, I I'm, I think I like the Gary Payton the second trade, not just because of the on-court stuff, but we just talked about how the team was feeling about the guys who are getting minutes, who are seen as franchise priorities, who can't help them win. I yeah. think the removal of that and bringing in a dude who, when he got in during the playoffs last year, changed how they played. You know, like, they, they played with more force on defense when Gary Payton came back last year. So I think when you add the sort of um, team morale <laughs> aspect of it, as well as what he brings on the court defensively, I think Gary Payton's going to be a big deal. And, you know, Thomas Bryant, I know people have been talking about this guy for, for two years now, two and a half years, being an impact level kind of guy, even going back to when he was in D.C. I just think when you watch Golden, not excuse me, when you watch the Nuggets play, their bench has been such a like helter-skelter situation. To have a big who's going to do the dirty work, sort of nitty-gritty rebounds, actually be a paint presence. He's not some like eraser type of shot block, but he's going to be in the right spot. And every now and again, he could beat somebody one-on-one -on -one in the post. That's going to be big for them because Jokic, a lot of times when he goes out of the, the game, the spirit of what the, the Nuggets do changes so dramatically. It's like, all right, what do we do now? I think Thomas Bryant is a big pickup, man. On the Gary Payton front, too, to your point about the spirit of that move and the impact in the locker room, those guys love Gary Payton. Yeah. Like, if go go pull up a quote from Draymond Green or Andre Godala about Gary Payton. Justin has never said anything that nice about me before. <laughs> no. No, not a single thing. Never. Well, you know, chemistry doesn't win podcast awards, you know? <laughs> I think it actually does, <laughs> is the thing. Well, maybe that's why we don't win them. Um, I'm going to read you the bench lineup from last night's Clippers game against the Warriors. Bones Highland. Eric Gordon, Norm Powell, Nicholas Batum, one of the Palmleys. Which one is this? Mason? Mason. Yeah, yeah. Come on, sure. My Miles is I been in the NBA for a minute. <laughs> I know. I always confuse Miles and Mason. I, the Plumley family needs to switch uh, up a little bit. Note on that front. Mason Plumley been pretty good this pretty year. Pretty good, yes. Uh, can this lineup, if this was the starters, could they beat the Rockets? 
Yes. It's yeah. better than the Rockets, right? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Better than the Hornets? Mm. It's a game. This is like the new, well, is, is this team better than Kentucky? Or like, <laughs> yeah, can yeah. Kentucky beat this NBA team, right? <laughs> Could the Clippers bench beat your team? I, I think their second unit is better, is better than some NBA teams. And like, I, I wouldn't want to be Steve Ballmer having to pay for this. Mm-hmm. But if he wants to just add as many capable NBA players as possible, I think at a certain point, it's going to to work. You know? Yeah. Like think, yeah. I don't want to trust the Clippers but when I look out there and they just have so many good players, at a certain point, like, you can't fail. I disagree. I, I think if Kawhi can't get at an elite level, you can have all the nice rotational, ancillary, others, as Shaq would say, as you want. <clears throat> but it, it, Kawhi has to be elite. And he has if been. He's yeah. just, and he has, last night, he was freaking incredible. He's um, Terminator again. Let's, let's circle back to that idea. I think there's a Kawhi discussion to be had here. Well, why don't we have it? Okay. How about this? Since January 1st, Kawhi Leonard, 27 points a game, 52% shooting. The Clippers are 11-5 and five in that stretch in the games that he's played. <laughs> How many games did he miss? <laughs> he, he honestly has not missed not very many. A lot of That's games. Okay. He's he's act, I think he's missed a total of four games during that stretch. It's nice. pretty good. Yeah, played sixteen, missed four. That's a tough team to beat. Like Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, a very solid starting lineup, and that bench attached to it. That's formidable. You know, yes. like for for everything we've said about the Clippers to date, their chemistry has clearly not always been on the right in the right place. <laughs> but the to talent the is going to be there. Yeah, I, it, look, he can't just be good. He has to be great. And if he's that, then yeah, they're going to be really hard to beat. They finally, because the shooting became such a problem, especially early on in the season when Kawhi was missing games. But Bones Highland has like developed a reliable three-point shot. Really good shooter. Eric Gordon is... Anything else doesn't go in, but yeah. Yeah, well, you know, he's still a young guy. He's still developing the sure. craft to finish and do all the other things. And, you know, he's got other issues. Um, but Eric Gordon is one of the best shooters in the NBA, in my opinion. And so, uh, yeah, I, I like that they're, cra- they're getting back to... You know, that 2020 version of the Clippers where they just were offensive juggernaut and they could figure out the rest on defense. Um, Now that they're getting back to that, you know, they were breaking records and three-pointers made and percentage in those seasons. And so now that they're getting back to that, yeah, I like what they're doing. But Kawhi got to stay reasonably healthy and he has to be Terminator Jordan um, Predator rolled into one again. I laughed a little bit when they got Eric Gordon at the deadline because it reminded me warms of the heart. Well, oh yeah, it definitely warms the heart. Like if if you love the pre Chris Paul Clippers, if you had any like interest in that team, if you watched Blake Griffin dunk on people before <laughs> they became in vogue, like yes, it's great to see him back there. But I laughed in part because it seems like they just have multiple of the same player now. It's like those. Have you ever seen? It's popular on Instagram where it's like four generations of the same family and it's just like the grandma the mom the the daughter and then the daughter's daughter and they all look sort of alike and it's like so Eric, norm powell norm is powell, like Eric Eric Gordon, Gordon, all over again. terrence man <laughs> i'm just like how many of the same player you can get but i will say eric gordon fits what they want to do luke Kennard was shooting the lights out and i think he's a good pickup from the grizzlies side of things, but I think Gordon's ability to switch, and clearly, like, he has something left, because if you watch last night's game, Gordon was playing with an extra pep that he hasn't played with in, like, <laughs> four years. Dude is a perpetual sourpuss, I'll say, but, like, but he's, he's, he's going to be good there. Though, yes, he's, like, he's going to be good there, and so I think yeah. the Clippers, dare I say, could be dangerous. We just got to get you off reels. You're spending too much time <laughs> on the gram. I do some weird stuff in my, uh, my free time. Let's not get into that. Number five here. Are the Mavericks ellipses better? Rob, as our native Texan, wearing a cowboy hat as we speak? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the offense is definitely better, no? Yeah, Yeah, of course. And I would say not only better in the way that, you know, we're going to look at the before and after numbers for the trade and it's going to go up over the course of the regular season, but it's more playoff solvent, right? Mm -hmm. Luka only in the playoffs does leave you a little exposed. And I say that even as someone knowing that if you trap him, he's among the best passers in the game. He still can create a lot of offense around that stuff. But the idea of if you force the ball out of Luka's hands, it inevitably is going to end in like a Dorian Finney-Smith 
pre, you know, prior to the trade, Tim Hardaway Jr. or like Josh Green three is a little rocky of a place to be if you're talking about we want to win three or four playoff series in a row, which is what the Mavericks are ultimately playing for. So the idea that you have Kyrie to balance that ultimately, and clearly they have some kinks to work out in terms of the your turn, my turn stuff with that. Uh, but I think ultimately we've seen really good early signs from Kyrie in terms of being a part of that offense, willing to defer to other people, trying to set other guys up, trying to play a role within what they do. And offensively, they're going to be off the charts. The numbers are already really encouraging. Uh, defensively. <laughs> uh, what's that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. What's half-court defense? What's point-of-attack defense? Look, I'll say this. Uh, it's funny because I felt like I was in the twilight zone. I talked to Haberstroh on my pod about the Heatles, and I remember like a constant theme was, who takes the last shot? Yep. And I saw that shit on ESPN just this morning about Kyrie and Luka um, to continue the LeBron and Luka uh, parallels. What I think is, I don't know that this year's team is necessarily better than um, before after the Kyrie Irving trade. I think they are better positioned to be the type of team that wins championships with Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic in their building. Um, rather than Finney Smith and the spare parts that they shipped out to get Kyrie. So right now, they might not be better, but they're better positioned to add somebody who can provide a reasonable facsimile of whatever it is that Dodo did for the team, right? Um, the 3 and D, whatever. That's easier to find than 28 points per game shooters. I know we like to do the thing, and it sounds virtuous to be like, well, defense is half of the game. No, the people smarter than me have done studies on this. It's harder to generate quality offense than it is to generate quality defense. And so for that reason, they are better positioned. While maybe right this second on, you know, the day after Valentine's Day, uh, maybe not a better team right now, Justin. <laughs> it, helps, it helps, too, that Josh Green is kind of, a, forgive this phrasing, like a proto-dodo. <laughs> 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 you know, he's really shown some things defensively this season. Much more controlled offensive player. Looks like a guy the Mavs are going to be able to count on yeah. for a couple of years here. So we'll see what his role ultimately shakes out. He reminds me of Grimes, and not just because they're both light-skinned, like Zay. The singer? <laughs> Don't drag Zay into this. <laughs> Where are we on calling players by their nicknames? Because when Waz says, says it, it, it sounds like natural. But when like, I, if I was like, "Hey, Dodo did not make the three today," I just sound. She's got to do it every day. It's <laughs> yeah. practice. It's reps. People call boy. Brandon Ingram "Bi," and I'm like, that's a step too far. No, yeah. first of all, that's a bad it's not nickname. A nickname. It's a terrible nickname. And like, but you're, it's you're what not friends call with him. him. You don't. You don't yeah. get to do that. I always felt this way when people would call Kyrie Kai. Yeah, never done it. I don't know about that. Okay. <laughs> never, yeah, that's, never about done that. it. Um, but you know, I, I never called Katie the servant either. Um, <laughs> but that's just me. <laughs> Do you think he'll bring that back to try to try to appeal to the <laughs> to the, the Arizona the, set? The, the Scottsdale <laughs> set? Yeah, that will go over great. Yeah, Maricopa. In the place that didn't want to give Martin Luther King a holiday, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I need to flag that one. Yeah, let's fact, let's fact check that, please. No, it's true. It's true. That was like a big thing in Arizona. They were like one of the last places to make um, Martin Luther King Day like a thing. I'm not make. I'm not making that part up. <laughs> That's facts. They've come a long way, I'm sure, since though. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> we love the Arizona area. Uh, so about the Mavericks, um, I'll say this. It's fascinating to watch. Like I, oh, have, yeah. I have tuned into probably every game mm -hmm. since Kyrie's been in there, and, and he's looked good. In particular, mostly. when Luca and Kyrie have played alongside each other, just watching them, like who is going to take the shot. It seems like Luca, to his credit, is deferring, but you could definitely feel that Luca is deferring. Sure. Right? It's a very conscious effort, and it feels almost unnatural to see him passing the ball off to someone to the point where they're almost playing hot potato toward the end of uh, their most recent game against the Minnesota Timberwolves, where it was like, I don't think they've figured this out. But, you know, it, it could be decent. By the way, man, like, I, I love Luka just as much as anybody, but we, we have to raise the expectation that he can make himself a player who's useful when he's not dribbling. Yep. Like, I think he could do it. And, you know, he comes out of the damn Eastern Bloc 
you know, played in professionally in Spain. Those people play continuity offenses. He comes out of those systems. So this idea that he can't access that because he's come to the NBA and embraced this whole heliocentrism where you just dribble, dribble, dribble and hog every single possession. I think we can expect more out of Luka and expect him and his greatness to be able to accomplish the feat of moving without the basketball. Seems reasonable to ask of a guy that's supposed to be an all-time great. Uh, Dare I say that Kyrie Irving should be a model of behavior for literally anyone? But honestly, I was very impressed with Kyrie's ability to do that with the Nets. He was always willing to play off ball with Mm -hmm. them. He He would defer to James Harden when he was there. He would defer to Kevin Durant, obviously. I think there's something there in terms of showing Luka this is an elite shot maker who can get a shot whenever he wants. Look at the way he's willing to sometimes sometimes just position himself yeah. in the corner, but also cut, also move off the ball, yes. also add these I other like elements to his game. I like when Kyrie is doing his sort of coming off the screens, catch and shoot stuff. Because again, like with the ability to dribble and, and like it's one thing when you are like, oh, I'm willing to, you know, take a hard dribble towards the paint and try to finish. There's another thing when you actually can do it <laughs> and defenses have to react to how great you are at finishing and what that could mean for everybody else. Like, I just think Luca just needs to, like, all right, maybe he's not going to do it tomorrow, but, yeah, I'm willing to do things when I don't dominate possessions. Yeah. Kyrie has a typical young player trajectory where he left LeBron in the hopes of kind of being his own yeah. guy and then has ultimately settled into this <laughs> realization that he's probably best. Baby, is, come is back. The <laughs> Exactly. Let's get the music sting under that, please. One thing I'll say, though, is there seems to be big talk about how Kyrie doesn't want to discuss his upcoming free agency. And so there is this, like, looming issue in the near future. On the other hand, though, seems like that just gives Kyrie more motivation to really be on his shit and actually play and, like, figure yeah. this thing out at least for the next couple months. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, as much he said some pretty... I don't know if you guys have been paying attention. He's been saying some pretty crazy things. Since Shocking. He got it. Yeah, he said he, he said it was uh, from day one. From year one, he's behind-the-scenes stuff from the Nets. He was he was putting things in place for this to happen, allegedly. And Oh, yeah. By the way, have you seen also the James Harden victory tour? Like, maybe sit that one out, my guy. He was basically like, yeah, like, I got out of there, and this is why. <laughs> oh, James Harden is doing that right now? And I was like, we don't need this. Yeah, You, Harden, you do not Harden, need this, just, James Yeah, Harden. just the guy who quit on two teams in a row um, and put out a contract demand on Christmas needs to probably chill. Um, the reason why I don't mind Kyrie not want to talk about his deal, because it's obvious if the— if the Mavs offer him a huge deal, he's going to sign it. <laughs> There's nothing to really talk about here. If they offer me a substantial deal, I'm going to sign. What more is there to say? I'm out of Brooklyn because they didn't. If the Mavs offer me a deal that I think is worthy of my talents, I'm going to sign here. What else is there to say? Well, I mean, the Suns come up and the Lakers come up. Like you could trade Chris, you could sign and there's trade ways, Chris Paul. ways to make it happen. What is, sure. what is Kyrie going to say about that that's telling, or how would he even yeah. know between yeah. now and the end of the it's season tough. for the Mavs? No, I mean, yeah, he was never going to be What's honest. What's he going to say? That, yeah, I'll, I'll right. be willing to take a weak-ass team-friendly deal when the season, like, what is he really supposed to say right I now? took that to mean that he very clearly has eyes elsewhere, but we're just going to pretend like this is fine for the time being. <laughs> That may very well be the truth, but I think it can also be true that it's like, I'm here, I'm going to bust my ass. I really want to get a big deal, you know? And what's the point of even talking about anything else? Not that I would ever pretend to know what Kyrie Irving is trying to say. Sure. All right, number six here, which buyout guy? Because we are very much in in buyout season. My favorite. God bless. Part of an NBA season where we pretend like guys who haven't played in weeks and months are going to make an impact on the title race. Uh, number six, which buyout guy, if any, will make the greatest impact over the stretch run? I think it's Reggie Jackson, yeah. man. I really do. I, I think he's such a, he's legitimately can drive offense, especially against second units. And the non Jokic minutes where Denver's constantly trying to make sense of what they do on offense. Reggie Jackson does that. And I think, you know, 
he's not great at it, but he can play off of guys. He can play off the ball if you do ask him to be in um, rotations with, you know, Jokic and even Jamal Murray. I think he slots well next to Jamal Murray even because uh, he's played with Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, all of these ball-dominant sort of guys. And so... I think Reggie Jackson is going to make a huge impact on what Denver's trying to do. And he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's going to play. He's going to be important. And I think to our conversation about the Suns earlier, Terrence Ross, surprise son, you know, yeah. it seemed like he was going to be a Maverick for a second there. He could be the answer to who can you rely on on that bench. Terrence Ross, though, has been the potential answer for like <laughs> you know? so many things for so many years. Yeah, I don't know. And there's a reason he was not, ultimately. like yeah. I, He's a guy who, like, Again, Will Barton is in this category, too, of productive players over the course of their careers. Do you want them being the fourth or fifth guy in a lineup with other stars where they are going to know exactly what their moment is and is not? We'll see. Uh, you know, I think there's some hope there. But ultimately, those guys are going to be important. And I don't know if they'll get bought out. But if Kevin Love hits the buyout market, he could be important for a lot of teams. There are a lot of teams who could use one more rotation big. There are a lot of teams that could use one more shooter. We'll see if he's ultimately available or not. Yeah, so I have this list separated into two groups. One was the guys we aren't sure will be hitting the buyout market. That's Dario Saric, Derek Rose, Nerlens Noel, Kevin Love, who hit his 11th straight DNP, which it, that was such why a fun... Kevin, why is Kevin Love on this list? That was such he a fun... Play. Yeah, that was such a fun so story when he So why is he not playing had, Cleveland then? But you don't, you don't think like he would play for the Heat? You don't think they would have room for him? I think there's there's enough yeah, teams that are like clogged right. up and need a little bit of spacing. Maybe I, Memphis could use them in a buyout. You know, they've got they they've got enough athleticism to surround him with, where yes. his inability to move his feet can be mitigated. But man, this Kevin Love. <laughs> Remember when he was beaning basketballs at his teammates because he was demanding a trade that never came? I think it's for a reason. I don't know. I think Derrick Rose is actually, because business-wise, it makes the most sense to stay on the Knicks and not take the buyout. So I could see him actually just staying in New York. Uh, Dario Saric, I have a weird relationship with because, you know, he's asset. He was he was one of the reasons why Sam Hickey was allegedly a genius, that he ended up getting this guy on the Sixers. It was like, and he drafted Dario Saric at 10. I'm like, oh my goodness. And ever since then, people have been trying to convince me that he is just going to be a meaningful guy on a real team and now he's a buyout candidate. So. You got to let the past go once. I will. I <laughs> you got to embrace the now. Right, I'm over. I'm, I, I let it go. I'm Bygones be bygones. Well, I think you have to actually go the opposite of that route. I want Patrick Beverly back in Minnesota. Can we get him on top of a table rallying this team back to what they used to be? Now, I should say that the the Timberwolves would probably have to cut a guaranteed contract in order to add Pat Bev. So based on current reporting, it seems unlikely. But I do feel like he is the type of player that the Wolves need. Uh, In part, and this kind of brings me to our next question, which is which player or team will surge after the All-Star break. I almost feel like the, the Wolves are just one guy away from really turning this around. Like, it feels like they kind of exercised D'Lo at the trade deadline, and then you got the now-they-tell-us stories all about how D'Lo didn't want to pass go bear the ball, and, <laughs> and like, what, what an issue that was. It just feels like... The notebook dump. Yeah, and now it just feels like this team has completely, like, switched its focus and now has become the Anthony Edwards team that it was destined to be. And I just have renewed hope for this team, in a way, and I wonder if Pat Bev would buoy that, get us back to the vibes and Edwards and, and Fun and Jaden McDaniels that they kind of were on the, the path toward last season. I think the issue with Beverly for them is, do we have any reason to think that Pat Bev is a better player right now than Jordan McLaughlin is? And that's... I, Jordan McLaughlin's... <laughs> I, I'm not saying that to mean that Jordan McLaughlin is I great. Think he's a little better than... But I, I take... The point is taken. The, that's, that's my ultimate point. Is like, is he an upgrade? Because... Pat Beverly is an outsized personality for <laughs> a extremely marginal player at this point. Yeah, but if they're playing the Lakers in the play-in, you know he's going to do some shit, and that's good. And it might torpedo the Wolves, but it also might. He's swing definitely going to fall out. Well, they're not going to. Sure. They're not going to play the Lakers in the play-in because the Lakers aren't going to make the play-in. Oh lord, mm, so, tough. Not a problem. It's tough. 
But what uh, do we think? What do we think about the Wolves in general? Like, are are we buying the turnaround here? So yeah, they're on the upswing yeah, for sure. You know, I'm as high as anybody on the on the Conley deal. Already paying dividends with Rudy Gobert immediately. You right. know, so, just yep. Gobert was nine for nine in the first game with Mike Conley. It reminds me of someone who buys a Peloton but then doesn't buy the subscription for it. So like, you just have the bike and it's just not as useful. They finally got the thing that you need to make the high-priced item work. So Gobert is the Peloton machine itself. Yes, and, and, Mike, and Mike Conley's the subscription. It's okay. like if you had a very expensive guitar, but you didn't have the right amplifier right. to play it on. No, right? well, yeah, it wasn't he's, making the right music. I would like, stick with the Peloton. He's saying like, <laughs> if you get the Peloton and you're just in your, your garage or whatever, doing it by yep. yourself without the, the instructor yelling at you and playing, you know, jams from the 90s, like, it's just less useful. And Mike Conley is that Peloton instructor. I um, thought this was pretty good. So you're saying... <laughs> no, I, I'm not that. You're I'm saying for the last couple of months, Rudy Gobert's been like a clothes rack, basically, in the Timberwolves' yeah, living room. Exactly. exactly. When you don't want to put it, um, it in, works, the, in, but... the, in the dryer and, and shrink your clothes, you just lay it on the, the Peloton. But no, I'm, I'm a fan of it. And also, I'm just a fan of it because it's going to allow Aunt Edwards to do more. Conley is so good at sliding in between table setting and playing off like he already did it for years with Donovan Mitchell and so that's why I think the Conley move is so beautiful because it's gonna allow Ant to become a better version of himself just much more so than D'Lo and I've said enough about that dude we did a breakout video of my opinion I watched that breakout video the other day I was like damn <laughs> oh my god if somebody just saw this and nothing else it's just like oh did this guy have sex with my girlfriend or something <laughs> like but no I I really do think that that they're gonna they're gonna surge this season another team um and they're already going in that um direction with the seven game winning streak but I think the Cavs are gonna fight for a number one seed. Uh, because not only are they starting to blow teams the hell out, they're in striking distance, and their guys are coming back, and as the season is sort of settled, and they had that little lull where they were like 29 and 20, guys were out with injury, and I was like, damn, like, are they not going to like really fight for this top three seed that we thought when the season started? And then now it's just like, no, they are rolling, and I really do think legitimately, especially with the Celtics finally catching the injury bug and... You know, the Bucks being the Bucks, uh, I, I really think they can get snagged that number one seed. Yeah, Cle um, Cleveland's basically tied with the Celtics for the lead in point differential overall, the entire NBA this crazy. season. And you know who should be really happy that Kevin Durant is not in the Eastern Conference? The Cleveland Cavaliers. Absolutely. Like, that is a team that was not equipped for oh, a mid-range heavy was offense. was up for the task, man. It's less that <laughs> and more like the, the virtue of having these great defensive bigs is protecting the rim. And yeah. the Nets, as previously constructed, weren't really interested in getting there. No. But now, yeah. you know, I think Cleveland matches up really well with a lot of the top Eastern Conference teams. They're not getting out of the second round, but we could pretend. We'll we, could, we could say that we'll the, the Cavs are this great. Guy the Bucs have won 11 straight, and we're like, oh, the Cavs. I don't it's know. not the Bucs I'm Inside worried about. Defense. Really? Who are you worried about? Well, I'll have to save that for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so coy in person. Uh, <laughs> Rob, who do you have for this, this question? Uh, for me, it's, as discussed previously, it's the Clippers. Mm. I think they are in, moving in the right direction. Kawhi, I am only more and more convinced, is ready to perform at an elite level throughout the playoffs. I like the moves they made, not just because... I think they, they actually walked the line really well between kind of consolidating, but not giving up the meaning of their depth, right? Like, they switched out some of the names, some yep. of the bodies, some of the skill sets. They're still one of the deepest teams in the NBA, but it, there's a little bit more clarity to what they do and who's going to play. All right. That's the podcast. That's it. In person. That's how we do it. Sick. Rob didn't even use his notepad this time. Didn't need it. <laughs> Should we do more of these? This was fun. Absolutely. Rob needs to move to LA. We'll do it every single week. Are you going to pay my relocation fee? <laughs> We could live in Bill's like guest house. We can work on that. I know some people. Look, Bill wants to put me up in the guest house. We can talk. All right. Um, that's it for this episode. Hey, just quickly, next week we're going to be running a special edition of the Ringer NBA show, I believe on Tuesday, in which Jordan Ritter Khan goes and travels to the Balkans in order to figure out what the secret is for all of these players who have come over, including Luka Doncic and Nikola Jokic. Did you find out why we can't just do this stuff in places like Indiana? 
You know, like, why can't we reproduce this in America? We are a broken country, is the answer was. <laughs> listen, listen and find out, man. We, the, it addresses just that. Um, I worked on this with, with Jordan. It's a really great audio feature, and there will be a component on the website as well. So check both of those out. Also, next week, we will not be back. Uh, we're going to take the week off to improve our wellness. Uh, it is Wellness Week at Spotify. So we're we're going to take some time to chill post-All-Star in order to charge the batteries up to to hit the stretch run, running, you know? Is sure. that what they say? No, literally no one does. <laughs> okay. Thank you to Isaiah Blakely on production. He is also here with us. Great to see you, Isaiah. Eduardo Ocampo is also somewhere on this big O screen uh, just doing stuff in the background. We'll see you next time. <laughs>